Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 98 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from AmericasCardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. To send questions in for Alex on a future show, the best thing to do is email questions at OneOuter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. This episode and all other previous episodes are on the OneOuter.com website and via iTunes for free. Alex, episode 98, we are approaching the 100 mark, which is always, I don't know, it's not going to be anything special. <laughs> I was about to say, don't expect it, me to do more it, work. It's, <laughs> it's always an arbitrary thing, like the 50th, the 60th, whatever, but 100's quite cool. 100, you know. Uh, it's cool, I mean, it's, it's kind of cool because it kind of started, a, I was going to say it started out as an idea in our garages, but that's BS, we were both filthy, stinking red before <laughs> this happened. But no, I mean, it... it you know, it just kind of started out as an idea. We were kicking around, and then, you know, 100 episodes in, whoa. But, yeah, I'm good. You know, uh, I'm ready to punch monitors like Marilyn Manson. There's uh, uh, the, the construction workers next to my house decided 7.30 in the morning would be an awesome time to bang some sheet metal together, and it took them two hours. And I, it, I wanted to wake up at 9.30, so it was like literally I woke up, and they – I finally woke up after like really trying to go to bed and never being able to do it. And I went to bed at like one thirty, so waking up at nine thirty would have been, you know, eight hours. But no, nope, no, nope, it wasn't possible. So I got like six hours and twenty minutes because of these guys. And I was in that nice lethargy where you can't get out of bed but you can't fall asleep. And it was like mm. it, it's, I don't know, it sounded like Vietnam, like in the seventies, like trying to and yeah, any by the way, I don't know why it's 7.30 in the morning you got to do that. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, guys, we're going to be here till, you know, uh, I'll give them a really long work day, uh, 2.30. Uh, like, uh, you know, why don't we do this around lunch? You know, we, we could do, maybe 12.30 we could start banging on things loud enough to, like, wake up everybody in the neighborhood. But, no, you know, 7.30 to 10.30 seems to be their wheelhouse. But whatever, I'm here. I'm good. You know, life's good. I'm a... Life's always good, man, as long as you got your health and you got your mind and, you know, you got a skill. That's the other thing. And somehow I have a skill, although I didn't really expect that at 28. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, all's good. Everything's good. So uh, what's good with you? Yeah, every, everything's good. Oh, if you're good, Alex, I'm good. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel, fine. I feel you. I feel you. So what have you been up to? Any new rap battles out? Any poker scores? What's been happening this week? Uh, the newest rap battle is out, you know, so about this time in three years you might watch it. But uh, let's see. I was about to say, shit, how many is that i got to watch now? <laughs> and, uh, it's all good. I mean, like, they're kind of, you know, it's like if you're into it, you're into it. If not, you're not. You know what I mean? I'm not going to, like, just beat these up for views. Uh, yeah, Assassin versus 1C Slim just came out. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good battle. I think my – I was kind of going through some real-life stuff at the time. So I, I kind of uh, – my performance had a few stumbles. There was no, like, choking or anything. I just tripped up on my words a couple times. And I was really working to remove that. And I, I practiced that battle quite a bit. And I, I'm pretty sure if – I didn't have that stuff going on. I, I think I would have done pretty well, but no excuses. It came out pretty well. I won. Uh, there was only one scorecard that gave a round to the guy. So, and I, I felt like it was out of pity. I almost at the time was like, what round did you give him? Because I was pretty sure nobody could, he wouldn't be able to tell me what round he won. Right. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a really, uh, it's a really tight battle. The round lengths are only 90 seconds long. <clears throat> and, uh, excuse me, the round lengths are only 90 seconds long. So that was kind of cool because I got to cut a lot of my filler. And, uh, yeah, pretty much any time I tried to get, like, tricky and have, like, really intricate wordplay, uh, 
it, it, the crowd like caught it, but they didn't like if you do that in the South, like they're really into like the writing, right? Like they, they really trip out. They're really into that, right? If they catch the scheme in Cali, it's kind of like, all right, all right. You know, it's like nice, but like if that's not quite the reaction when you get them to laugh at a joke, right? So I got pretty much, I, I just punched his lights out. Like uh, it was just punchline after punchline after punchline, right? And uh, yeah, it, it went really well. It was really cool. Uh, I think my flow was a little off just because of the real life stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. <coughs> See, this is what happens when you rap too much on the streets. You, uh, you get your voice gets a little hoarse. But no, I mean, it came out really well. I think uh, I, I actually I wasn't really trying to play up like the flow. You know what I mean? Like if you can if you watch the beginning of the battle versus me and Cannon, like you can see like the first like two or four lines are just like jokes or whatever. Or, like one's a rebuttal, one's a joke. And then are uh, uh, like a diss, right? Like I, a friend of mine I gave a hard time to. But like I like flowing a little bit better. Like you can see in that battle, like to start that battle off, I just, you know, like every couple syllables rhyme and it was like machine gun fire rattled off really good punches, uh, and stuff like that. And I really like to do that, but I felt like in this audience, uh, it, it was also kind of, I was like, I think this is the last like secular battle I'm going to do, which doesn't mean I'm not going to battle anywhere else. It just means I'm kind of done talking about how big my gun is and stuff like that, you know, and then this kind of stupid crap. Not that I haven't fired weapons, not that I don't have a brother who took three bullets in his uh, body and, like, all that, but not that I haven't watched men die on the streets, like, literally, but, like, I don't like rapping about it because it's kind of stupid. I don't know. It's just stupid. It's like I live in this fortress of a house now, you know what I mean? So clearly I'm not about that life, you know what I mean? Otherwise, I'm, and it, it, it's kind of it's sad when, you know, I'm up here on, like, the... Uh, I, I'm kind of up here in like, you know, rich people land in my compound and I'm like rapping about stuff that could affect someone in the street. You know what I mean? If they go, oh, it's cool. I'm going to wear a strap, you know, and then like something happens at the club. Right. You know, and then I kind of thought, all right, so I'm going to use all these gun bars I've had for a long time that I never really got to get out. And they were really good punchlines and stuff like that. And then the Orlando shooting happened like two days before. So, you know, while the ashes are still burning, uh, in Orlando, you know, it, it was really weird because it was like an old battle rap environment where pretty much anything went. And there were like, there were racial jokes. There were, everybody was using slurs against gays. Uh, there were tons of threats of violence. We were in a backyard of someone's home and people were like, yeah, there was that radial, radial arm saw. That we were in the backyard of someone's house and like people were crawling on nearby roofs. Uh, like a couple of them to like watch the event and it was like a real the neighborhood wasn't that wasn't bad but it was it was like it, it, it was uh it was definitely not uh you, you know it definitely was not like a uh sorry that just totally broke my focus uh but it it it, it broke uh it, it was, it was not, I'm not going to say like a street environment, but it was kind of like the old school battle rap environment where you kind of like in every battle, you were like, these dudes are about to fight, right? Like, this is bad. Like, this is going to get really bad, right? And then I just kind of, you know, me and the other guy were kind of like, you know, we know each other in real life and we're not, you know, we're not, we don't hate each other. So we, we kind of tried to keep it fun. And I think we did a, I think we did a good job of bringing some level levity to what, Otherwise, it was a pretty, uh, <laughs> pretty rough event, you know what I mean? And it was, it was cool, you know, and we still brought it in language they liked. And, uh, but, uh, I mean, even our battle, like, he was still, you know, he's, like, making fun of my, my wife's appearance and stuff like that in the battle. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, <laughs> okay, like, there you go. Uh, you know, she's Pakistani. She's about to bomb your ass, but all right. You know, like, uh, it, it was, uh, I think that's my last, like, secular battle. My next battle is going to be August 19th in Pittsburgh. Uh, let me read it out to you all. If you've ever been like, you don't really want to go to a battle because you're kind of worried about this exact scene I just explained to you. This one's at a church. And it's a Christian battle rap league. And uh, it's, it, it's a lot. 
it's if you guys want to see one of their battles, they have like they do concept battles. So they have one. It was like Dead Be Dad versus uh, the Future or something like that. Like Dead Be Dad versus Stepfather, and it was like it was one of the hardest things I've ever seen. Right? You know, because this guy's rapping about what a loser guys are that abandon their kids. Right? And it was just like, whew, like that was. It was a concept I'd never seen done in battle rap, and they do a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, that's August 19, 2016 in Pittsburgh. It's going to be at the Life Church, 1321 Mifflin Street. Uh, these, my, my boy Street Hymns, who I think is one of the best Chris, Christian rappers on earth, is going to be performing. And I really think everybody should see him because he's just a, he's an amazing artist otherwise. And also Award is going to be there. He had a really huge battle recently. Uh, versus St. Mike. Uh, if you guys want to see like really two really good rappers go at each other, I would really recommend Googling that battle. A Ward spelled like A dot Ward, like a psych ward, and the other guy, St. Uh, Mike, like a microphone. And uh, uh, two words. That That's one of the best battles I've seen. That dude's going to be there, and yeah, I, I think it'll be a good time. So yeah, come out. Come out and say hi. Say what's up. We're gonna be in the, we're gonna be in Pittsburgh, the city of steel. You know what's up? Okay, I, I won't be though. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> You're not gonna fly in. <laughs> you know, I'm joking. I got I got uh, I got I got three ninety second rounds, man. That's almost nine whole minutes. You sure you don't want to show up there? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think the jet lag it won't be worth it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I feel you. I will watch it. I promise. I will. Okay, now I've watched. I've watched some of them. I've watched a couple. Of I know, it, dude. It's one of those things. If you're into it, you're into it. If not, I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. It's more. It's more for me. You know what I mean? It's more like I just want to go up there and perform. You know, because I'm. I'm. It's. It sucks just being behind your computer all day. You know what I mean? And then I've always written like lyrics and bars and stuff like that, and I don't really want to do the metal thing anymore because I'm not really pissed off at anything and I'm so sick of, you know, you like you put five people together and, you know, everybody's got a different opinion and people don't want to take it that way or whatever. That's why I'm really, like, Fiverr is so interesting to me. Have you ever used this, Barry? Fiverr? What's that? Fiverr is like... Uh, no, I've never used it, but I know what it is. Yeah, it's like you hire, like, people remotely to do stuff for you, and it's just incredible. You can hire a kid in Pakistan to do an advertisement for 15 bucks that would have cost you $200 in the States, right? Yeah. And it's just as good. And, like, I'm starting to think there's going to come a day where a guy's going to be like, I will do your metal music for you. You know what I mean? It'll be, like, 50 bucks for a song, and I'm just like... Hey, man, I'm just going to buy it. I'm going to go into the booth, and I'm going to lay down my vocals, and that's going to be an EP. I'm going to buy five of them, and I'm never going to deal with a band, and I'm never going to tour, and I don't care, man. Like, I'm going to do that. But, uh, yeah, because it, I don't know. Like, doing it with the band is so, God, man. It's just like, I don't really like that you're writing like that, or I, I think we should have more blast beats, or I, I think I want a little bit more of a speed metal vibe in this one. I can't make practice today, man. I've got work. Like, and, yeah, anyway. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, I'm ready to throw throw monitors. Let's go. Give me yeah. some. Give me some questions. Okay. Some questions. Um. Right. The first one is from our friend uh, Slim, who's written in before. Not in a while, but um, this one he's written in recently with this. And hi, Barry and Alex. Um, it's pre and post bubble uh, questions. All right. But thanks again for taking my questions. I've been playing online on. Uh, New Jersey sites, uh, just NJ sites. I was like, what's that? I get it. That's like, as practice for live events. It's a great way to learn, given that the players online are so much better than live, but live is so much more fun, in my opinion. Mm. I've encountered the following situations a few times now. Approaching the bubble, I've seen small stacks employ the strategy of playing zero hands to try and make it into the money which forces a lot of the mid-stacks to play ultra-conservative as well. This basically prolongs the time it takes for someone to get bubbled out while blinds continue to increase. What is your strategy here with a mid-stack when you know that a few small stacks, not necessarily all on your table, are basically sitting out? You gotta... And then... Sorry, Alex, and then... No, we'll don't tell me, don't tell me. The no, 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 I'll no, forget. no, I'm on the other end, yeah. I'll forget it. Uh, you, by the way, guys, I got the city wrong. The event's in Homestead, Pennsylvania, 15120. I've, 
switch my flights to Pittsburgh. I know, man. It's, it's near <laughs> Pittsburgh. You're good. You're good. I just okay. looked at the flyer while you were talking. Well, it sounds like you're in actually in a really soft tournament because that's how poker tournaments used to be in 2007, 2008, 2009 when they were really soft. So you just got to kick it into high gear on that bubble and accept that sometimes you're going to bubble. Uh, you know, if the min caches are not, you know, going to change your life, I think it's a little better. You go If the mid stacks are shutting down and the small stacks are shutting down, you kind of have to come into like implicit collusion with the other big stack, which is kind of you take this step, you take this pot, I take that pot and you try to not step on each other's toes. And you, and by the way, a lot of people think like, you know, if you watch Phil Ivey on the bubble, like he'll literally play every single hand because he has the money and the moxie in the game to take any single person to the river and bluff them. And everybody knows that if people don't know that about you, they're probably not going to give up every single hand. But if you get two or three hands won every orbit, you are smashing the bubble, right? That is because if you win one hand in orbit, that's like really nice, right? That's a little ahead of expectation, actually, uh, because generally you win like one hand once in a while. It could be maybe every 14 hands, and hopefully it's big enough to account for all the blinds and annies and stuff like that. But at the bubble, it sounds like you could expand to two or three hands, uh, and I think you could do really well with that. So be sure to open your game up a little bit. I think the time is right. Next question. Well, he has another part, from right? Slim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was obviously pre-bubble. So now, what is your strategy right after the money final table, money slash final table bubble with a mid stack? I feel like it's better to tighten up and let a lot of low stacks who just made it to the money to go ahead and punt off and move up a few notches before putting your stack at risk, but not sure if this is, if that is the best thing to do. But. No, it's not. Uh, if I see a guy like you, is just, I mean, there's really not that much difference in the payouts between 11th and 9th or 8th. So when you're trying to get, I mean, there are occasions where it will be quite a bit, but don't think about that. Like, there, most of them are not going to be like that. 90, 95% of the time, the payout jump is not significant enough to indicate that you should really be tightening up before the final table bubble. More than anything, that provides an open spot for somebody to take advantage of you because they know you want to call and go, hey, mom, I made the final table, right? And it's not, uh, it's not really that big of a distinction. It's nice to make the final table. Like, I remember in EPT San Remo, I... I didn't really get much of a hand, but I remember feeling really accomplished when I made the final table. And then I went back and looked at the chip counts and realized I had 14 big blinds that maybe if I'd been a little more aggressive when everybody else was tired uh, with like 10, nine people, uh, 11 people in the EPT, maybe I could have made it to that final table with like second and third in chips. I really believe that could have been possible, right? Because people were folding absurd hands uh, right before that final table. And I didn't, and there's a good chance you are in some of these really good tournaments that haven't existed for six, seven years in some places on Earth. So, you know, open up that game. I think, you, I, think you're really, uh, I think you're really doing well. I think you're grafting a lot of strategies that are good for, uh, uh, like, poker stars and stuff like that onto your uh, – onto, uh, excuse me, for, like, PokerStars.com for, that maybe don't necessarily translate to .NJ. You're playing with a lot of poker players that – Probably have not played online poker in five, six years or wh- whenever Black Friday happened five years ago. And uh, you got to remember, they're still playing like that. They're not playing like the, you know, if you're reading an article by me, it's a, I'm trying to help most people. And most, uh, most guys are playing t- slightly tougher poker tournaments in Las Vegas. And a lot of people are playing, uh, uh, a lot of people are playing the dot com sites and stuff like that. And sorry, guys, again, uh, yeah, the, getting woken up by these lovely construction workers has kind of got me a little off my game. Excuse me if I ever like trip over my words more than usual, but yeah, uh, go, go out there. Have fun. I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to, I think I'm going to be on the live tour a lot more next year, Barry. I thought I should announce that. I think, I think I'm doing the stateside thing. I think, uh, you know, once I get my foreign residence all figured out here, you know, you've got to stitch it up for the year. You can't be in the States for more than 35 days. Otherwise, if you're in the States more than 35 days in the year, you've got to pay income tax on the first $92,000 you make. So it's like literally 
if you stay one extra day in the States, like it's going to cost you $32,000 or something like that. Like <laughs> literally, literally. Right. And like back, back when I had, uh, you know, more drugs and money than brain cells, I did that one year and it was like, nice, cool. This entire WSP is for not, you know, because what was my expectation of the WSP? It's probably 30, 40 K. Well now it's wiped out. Right. And uh, by the way, that that's not how the WSP went. I lost 30, 40 K. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, it yeah. was a, uh, Nah, but I'm thinking, I was thinking New Jersey live tournaments I've heard are super soft. I want to be out there, man. I've heard, I've heard it's crazy soft. I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going back to, I mean, I'm going to play more live tournaments next year. Y'all look out for me. I'm going to, I'm going to just come say hi, come say what up. A bunch of you said what up at the WSP. It was really cool. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it was real good to see all you guys. All right, let's go to the, let's go to, yeah. you see any good sure. movies? You see, uh, hold up. I, I watched, I was just about to say on that bubble thing, it just reminded me there about how that still, you know, exists in terms of, I sure. think life even exists more, that sitting, oh, waiting, yeah. and, and wanting to make the final table, whereas, like you say, you're, you're better making one final table with second in chips yes. than three or four final tables, like, limping in with, like, eight big blinds exactly, and nine big blinds, exactly. you know, like, it's just getting that mindset and like not seeing. A, it's hard not to see a final table as the accomplishment. Like, oh, I made the final and yeah. live or online, you know. But just thinking, if you're in it to make money and improve and like claim that, you got to think. Well, it's like putting pressure on. Like even in the sitting goes like money bubble and that, isn't it? It's like you yeah, know exactly. how many firsts make up for like you know how many thirds. Exactly, or whatever, exactly. Right? But, well, yeah. And there's also like, I mean, there's also I mean, just a caveat, Emperor. Uh, like I, I totally butchered that, but uh, there that means buyer beware in in Latin, which is super highfalutin. Uh, like when business people want to confuse you, they say that if they know you're not exactly from business school, like or at least in the states that I, that's how they used to always say. And the fact that it just came out of my mouth makes me so pissed off. But yeah, anyway, it should be on the bottom of every eBay page. I don't know if it still is, but really. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh, maybe that's a way of saying buyer beware without freaking yeah. people out. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no way you studied Latin, buddy. Like, and then, yeah, anyway. Uh, by the way, I just want to go to the Vatican just so I can see the ATMs in Latin I've always heard about. Like, I, I just want to see if I can figure it out, like, based on, uh, you know, what I know from Spanish. But, yeah, anyway, uh, like, there is, like, one of the hardest things on the WSOP money bubble this year for me was I had 15 big blinds the entire time. And if I had 50 big blinds, oh, my God, there was such a good chance I could have gotten it up to 100 by the end of that money bubble because everybody wants to cash. It's really true, you know. Even, like, there were really good players at my table, don't get me wrong, but I'm pretty sure if I laid the pressure on them, Turner River, there their folding rate might have got jumped up like 8% or something like that. And that, that doesn't sound like much, but that's a pretty big difference, right? And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. And, uh, but at the same time, like, don't be trying to be aggressive with like 15, 14 big blinds, right? If like the money bubble is like $16,000 or something like that, by all means, knit it up a little bit. Don't open that suited ace from early position. Don't, flat arrays with nine five suited from the big blind if you think you know there's a bunch of like two and three and four big blind stacks go ahead and get crawl in there what movies have you seen i watched that veronica or oh, i know yeah, nobody knows the name of this movie or victoria what, what was it veronica or victoria but yeah, yeah i, I watched veronica, that i watched it says yeah what'd you think of it i thought it was good i thought you called it perfectly in terms of it does well in like following a night out and like it just that early hours of the morning type, you know, yeah, like walking around after a club and like stuff. And obviously it's crazy stuff that kicks it off. It was but, amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know, yeah. It was good. It was, it was, good. I know you, I know I liked it more than anybody else, just because like I tried to make a buddy of mine went, who went on to work at Lucas arts used to let me like fart around on his sets and stuff like that. And I was into it, but I, I was really into speed at this time. So I had a bad habit of not showing up. Right. But uh, like just seeing how hard it is to do a shot. That's like a minute and 30 seconds, you know, with yeah. all the actors memorizing their lines and everything. And then uh -huh. seeing a movie that's two hours long and just yeah. 
Was there any point in the movie you knew there was a camera crew there? I know nothing. Nothing. Oh, and when they were freaking out, um, I don't remember if I said this. Remember when they're freaking out at her in the car? Yeah. That was authentic because she took a wrong turn and you were about to see the film crew and stuff like that. And they they were like really livid at her because they thought they were going to do it again. Have to do it again. And so you can hear, no, (laughs) no, turn here. And I was like, wow, man, they're really intense. Like, yeah. No, I thought everybody, they did a really good job in that movie of like a five minute scene would make you totally sympathetic and feel like you absolutely know the characters. Right. Like when she's explaining why she didn't want to go to music school anymore or when the guy who got them in all the trouble says, I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. Like that was really like those were really good performances. I was like, holy hell, like this is awesome. Like, ah, but you dug it. You were into it. It was. It was good. It was really good. Uh, know, was, it was. Uh, awesome. I, I think because you told me it was a heist movie, it kind of me i know i know everybody everybody told me about well it's one of those things if you don't know what's going to happen i think you're going to turn it off 30 minutes in because you're going to be like this is such pretentious crap right it's one of the beginning is too long would you agree with me on that yeah yeah it's too much like build up yeah well and i mean it's not like they could speed it up you know what i mean no Uh, i know i know you know what i mean it's like a bit yeah you get a bit foreign film cliche stuff i know right? yeah i hate that crap right like the funniest thing is they're all speaking english <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah, none yeah. of their first languages is english but they're all speaking it like yeah yeah no what, what was the have you, have you watched stranger things no this, i haven't this, seen it is that the like spielberg series or like it looks like a, it's not spielberg but it's sort of like a, a john carpenter spielberg Ooh. Uh, up thing. It's good. I'm it's su- good. I'm such a hipster. Spielberg makes great movies. I don't know why. I'm. I just like it's, what was, what was that movie J.J. J. Abrams made? It was like it wasn't eight million. Super eight. Super, super eight. Is super eight. Like it was just like, do you like this, Mr. Spielberg? Does this look good, Mr. Spielberg? Yeah, yeah. Like and it was like, yeah, I've seen this movie before. I saw this. I saw this. I saw E.T. Okay, I'm done. Right. Like, but, yeah. Well, Stranger Things has got. Nods to everything. Sweet. The Monster Squad, Goonies. Far Goonies. out. It's good, and and the title, the the credits, like the opening music and stuff, is John Carpenter. Is amazing. It's amazing. Oh, music. dumb man. I'm a. Huge... You gotta watch it. It's set in 1983. Oh, sweet set. man. It's good. It's I'm good. a huge it... Carpenter fan, man. And by the way, guys, I am dead tired today, so we're gonna talk movies. All right. Like John John <laughs> Carpenter is one of my. The Thing is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like it's a. Uh, I, I'm not really sure why, but I always dug it because it was that slow burn, you know what I mean? And they're like, it's so claustrophobic. There's little yeah. hidden things like at the beginning, if you understand Norwegian, like he lays out the entire plot, like don't touch it, it's not a, you know, like and then uh, uh, but what was the the people don't know this? There was a video game about the and it takes place like literally like. 20 minutes after the events of the thing and it was on PlayStation 2 and it was insanely good, right? And it was it, it continues the story and it's like one of the sickest like video game movie tie-ins ever. But yeah. Uh, I forget. Uh, y'all need to see this movie uh, called Cartel Land. It's a documentary. I watched it last night. It's the saddest thing you'll ever see in your life. Just about how it, it's it's about the Mexican government. It's about the Mexican militias that exist outside of the government trying to stop the cartels. It's about the cartels. It's about the militias in the United States that are like patrolling the borders that are being classified as hate groups. And like, it's nutty, dude. It is nutty. Right. And then it's the beginning from the beginning five minutes, you will be into this movie. Right. Like it's just, because they're, they're with the cartels while they're cooking math, right? And this guy is so intelligent, the guy they're speaking to. He sounds so calm and deliberate. And he was like, look, I'm going to do this as long as God wills me. Yeah, I feel bad about what it does to your country, but I'm not from your country. I'm from poverty. I have no other choice. If I was like you guys, I'd be traveling, you know, working a good, clean job. I don't have that option. So as long as God wills it, I'm going to be doing this. And it's like, it's so defeating and it's so like, I accept I'm going to die one day. I accept this wasn't a great option and I have no way out. And I, I cling to God to like get me through this. And it was just, it was so creepy from the first five minutes in. You're like, 
and then it occurs to you, this is a real dude, right? Like, and then you see, like, the, yeah, the militias on both sides of the border are crazy, right? Like, they're just nutty. And, yeah, it was a, it's a dope documentary, and I don't watch, I think a lot of documentaries suck now. I, th- I think, like, they come in with a very specific view they want to portray, and you can kind of tell when they're cutting corners. Like, Michael Moore is the world's best at this. Like, he just, you know, and then France has, you know, like, he just did this country, like, what, where should America invade next, right? And, like, they go to France, and it's just, like, an, a utopia, like, in every place. I'm like, I'm watching the news. I don't think France would agree with you on a lot of this stuff. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're kind of going through some tough times right now, but all right. And, I mean, on the conservative side, there's a dude named Dinesh D'Souza who does the exact same thing, just curtails the facts for his favor. But, yeah, cartel land, man, you're, like, watching these kind you know what I mean? Like, it's pretty, by the way, it's pretty heavy viewing. They show you, like, the beheadings and the hangings and stuff like that. And it's, uh, the, the, like, the stories of what these people do. You realize it's, it's Iraq down there, right? It's not, you know, and it, it was kind of, you know, all these people do this to me. And I, I'm like, you know, like, uh, oh, you live in Costa Rica. Ooh, how dangerous. I'm like, uh, <laughs> there's gang violence here, but it's like one specific part of the country and nobody really, it's pretty much gang on gang crime. Like you're not going to see the kind of crap you see in Mexico. Like when you see this stuff, it's like, Oh my God. And the the government's just like cool with it. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There that is, you know what I mean? They're, they're literally, there's one moment. uh, they're, They're like, we are going to, strip the guns away from the militia, like, right, the uh, auto defensa, right, like the self-defense militia, right, that sprung up to take back this area that the cartels had literally taken, right? They said, we're going we're gonna to unarm the militia, right? And a guy points out, have you ever heard the Mexican government say they're going to unarm the cartels? And a guy thinks there for like 30 seconds, he goes, no, not once in my life. Not once, right? But, like, the, the Mexican government... By, by the way, the guy who's super good buddies with uh, the Canadian prime minister and, uh, and uh, the United States president, like, it, he's talking about, I'm going to strip these people of their guns, these people who are defending their cities from, like, beheadings for in random acts of violence. I'm going to take their guns away. Don't worry, I'm, I'm there for you, right? It's like, what? Like, and then you kind of see some of the points he had a little bit later and it's like, wow, this is, I don't know. It's a, it's a good one. All right. Give me another question. I mean, before oh, I go kill oh, these construction workers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Know. Next question is from Lee and it's hello. Okay. I know this is a broad question and you could probably spend hours to answer it fully. Me? But I'll give it a no, shot. I'm pretty brief. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll spend two minutes on the answer and then the rest will tell you about a film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or that. <laughs> Or this but, guy yeah. threw a bottle in my yard, but yeah. Anyway, all right. I hope it's it's not got petrol. It's not a Molotov. Uh, Molotov. Nah, yeah, nah. Cocktail, it was a, it was was a it strawberry not? Fanta. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. Um, okay. Um, we got um. Hello. So okay. Uh, but I'll give it a shot. I play part time. I'm a winning player with a fifteen percent return on investment in small to medium stakes online. What's your thoughts and steps to seriously make a $100,000 pot from poker? Uh, time is not an issue. I will spend as much of my free time on my goal as possible, and even if it takes me 10 years, and that's it. He, he just wants 100000 cash from poker? Is that what he said? Uh, 100000 He's got a hundred k pot from poker. So, yeah, I assume an amount or a bankroll... Like, a lump sum that he could maybe take out if he wanted, and you know he's he's made a hundred thousand. He's all right. I assume separate money from his. I assume he's working as well. Cause he says he's a part time. Ah, player. good for you. Good for you. Keep that job. Uh, if you want to make a hundred thousand from, I mean, this is kind of. I I don't know if the goal is to play more poker, or to like, take that and do something with it to have, a kind of a retirement away from poker. You know what I mean. And we all kind of want to get off that treadmill, which I really understand. And, you know, just pay off the house and have an area where it's kind of like, well, there's the house. That's done, right? That's, that's it. That ho- I mean, kind of like in Fight Club when Edward Norton's like, that couch, that couch is done. That's it. That's the only couch I'm going to need. But uh, 
it's uh, if you if you're looking to play more poker with 100k, I'm gonna say you probably don't need 100k. A lot of times you need a really good reputation, which means working for free in the industry for a long time, which means you know you you publish a lot that shows you know what you're talking about, right? So, like one guy like uh, Sky Matsuashi if I got that name right, like he's doing a really, like he's doing exactly what I would do if I came into poker right now. Hyper professional, studies his ass off, has a podcast, has a website, uh, just working hard, showing everybody he's about, like if I, I don't invest in players anymore because frankly I don't have the money and secondly I don't have the patience. Uh, thirdly, I don't have the time to do books and it's a, it's a lot more bookkeeping than you could ever imagine. Uh, like investing in players, checking on players, do you know, like reverse engineering, like what, all right, let me be more accurate, calling my friend in Germany who's a sports better and saying, is this, is this profitable? He's like, no, your risk of ruin's too high, thank you, but, uh, or having him run it through his, like, hypercomputer, but, like, uh, like, if I was going to invest in somebody, I would invest in Sky, because, He's done, he's doing all the work right now for free. He's doing it for free. He's doing it for the love of it. And if you can't do it for the love of it, why do I assume once I pay you, you're going to do a good job, right? Like if you can't come, it's the same thing. Like if I were a construction worker and I had a huge project that was going to pay really well. And I said, why don't you show up one day and show me what you got? Right. And, you know, I'll pay you for the day, but, you know, it's not going to be it's going to be like 80 bucks versus maybe it'll be tens of thousands of dollars if you get on this project and you're working with me on this for a couple of years. If on that first day you do not show up and show what you can do, how am I going to trust you for two, three years? Right. I, I, there's no it, that was supposed to be your best day. You were supposed to be putting your best foot forward when you're coming up. You're supposed to be putting your best foot forward. So that means analyzing a lot, writing a lot of your findings. It's just like the scientific community. You put out your stuff, you see what people have to say. Uh, it doesn't have to be poker-related. It could be life-related. We all... And I, the more you show, like, professional poker players that could uh, buy pieces of you or back you, uh, although I'd recommend just selling pieces, uh, and you can see a webinar called uh, the MT, uh, MTT Market Webinar. Uh, MTT a market webinar assassin. Oh, you can look it up on uh, YouTube and you'll check it out. Uh, you can check it out. Like I'd recommend selling pieces, but uh, the reason for that being like, you will get a lot of people to buy up your action. If you can present yourself really professionally and be like, look, this is the work I did on this. And if you end up like helping a professional player in some way, they're going to remember that when it's time to invest. Right. And it's like, Oh, this person helped me for free just to expand their knowledge a little bit more and hopefully learn something from me. This is somebody I have confidence in. Maybe I'll throw a couple bucks their way. And that allows you to play the big tournaments, get the experience, hopefully rack up a couple wins. Now, if you're looking for the escape route, 100,000 to escape, uh, it's one of those things, I don't know what your escape plan consists of. A lot of times people, like, it, 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 they think if I own a house, I'm going to be happy. Well, in the States, like you own a house in the property taxes, like let's say it's a $100,000 house. Well, the property taxes is $6,000 every year. Where are you going to get that $6,000? you are still going to have to work at something, you know what I mean? And uh, so it ends up being you're going to have to get 150000 to save, right? Then you've got to pay taxes on that, fit, on that money. So now you've got to go ahead and make another fifty, seventy k And then it ends up being a couple hundred K. And that's definitely possible, but a lot of times, what I want people to know is their escape plans are unnecessary. I was talking about this with uh, Barry and some other guys. Uh, if you're looking, uh, if your dream is to play poker, there's really no better time to do this because you can find, there's a lot of cheap parts of the world where you can live. And like you can look it up on Airbnb and you can get like, a, you know, you just transfer the money from your PayPal and th there you go. You'll have an apartment for $700. And, if you want to stay in the States, there's a lot of places that are kind of in bum half nowhere, but they have good internet. It'll be 300, 400 a month, right? And uh, you can take Uber to go everywhere. Uh, I, I'm sure there's apps for meeting up with people. Back in the day, like if you wanted to meet people, like I mean just to hang out with someone who was not a poker player, 
uh, be they male or female, you had to like go out into the wild and talk to people. And you talk to a lot of bums just because that's how it is right now. There's apps and, uh, websites for everything. So it's kind of, you know, you just, it's, uh, I'd still say get out there or whatever, but there's, if you're looking to escape a lot of times you can make a lot less money and then you can go out there and still work somewhere and kind of experience your dream, whether it's, okay, maybe you want to play poker in Vegas. I, like Airbnb might not be good for that, but you can show up in the city with trip packing very lightly, very light. And you can, you know, you can ask poker dealers, like, where's the cheapest hotel? A lot of times they'll know places that are literally talk to this guy. Uh, he'll get you a place for 20 bucks. Like you tip that guy for five bucks. Right. And you go to that place and are, you'll find like kind of ragged, hotels a couple miles off the strip but it will be secure it will have internet and you, there you are you live in your dream you know what i mean now if you got a really good job and uh and i'm always a big fan of like what carlos welch does like just being broke is not a bad thing and i mean not really being broke but like even when i had a ton of money like even when i had i i, I think let me see if I'm doing this right. Even when I had six figures to my name, I was still saying uh, there was uh, – there was, at the LAPC, like the Los Angeles Poker Classic, the, it was at the Commerce Casino, and right next to the Commerce Casino was the Embassy Suites. Well, these people had figured out what kind of clientele was going to be in that week, and it was something like $278 for a room uh, one night. And at the cheapest I could find, I wasn't even sure I could get the room, it was 196 a mile up the road, there was a Super 8 for 54 bucks a night. I stayed at the Super 8. And it's just having that kind of just being a little cheaper, I think, is really, really good. Because you end up saving a lot of money, and that affords you more opportunities. And it might be two years, four years, six years down the line, but you might get that 100K all in one fell swoop, right, if you're constantly out there and playing. Now, if you don't want to go pro, if you really like your job, uh, and you're just trying to get the 100K bankroll for whatever. Uh, I think live poker is a lot softer these days than I realized just based on my WSOP trip and watching some other tables and talking to a lot of people. So if you can find like good structures and not that bad rake and stuff like that, I'd recommend you play a decent amount live. And uh, I'd also recommend you play online at America's Card Room uh, just because the rake back is so significant. If you can grind... If you can learn how to play cash games and play like 12 at a time, I mean, that'll be a couple thousand every month, right? And if you can attach like a thousand in winnings, that could be uh, 4,000 a month. Uh, and then you, know, you put that on the side and you're already making money from your normal job, right? Now, this is really a commitment because you're going to have to work eight hours, then you're going to have to come home and, you know, maybe you get like an hour to collect yourself, but then you're going to have to work four or five hours. I mean, that's kind of... That's how I came up, man. That's how a lot of people do it. I mean, it's not fun, but here's the thing. It's not hard in the sense that it takes, uh, it takes like a genius to do it, but it is hard in like an energy level thing, right? Now, you don't want to do what I did, which was take uppers to get yourself through the hours, but you can like exercise more. You can go to the weight room more. You can try to sleep better. You can start sleeping with earplugs and a sleep mask. Uh, to get better sleep. Uh, you can start setting like a really definitive sleep schedule where you turn off all the lights in the house an hour before you go to bed. You can stop watching movies till really late at night. Barry, I'm looking at you. Uh, but like you can, uh, you can get on a really good schedule. You can eat, eat a better diet. Uh, you, it, you can do a lot of endurance training. Uh, that was pretty much my break. I, I, I've never been really good at naps, but when I was coming up, uh, I would work for eight hours at my job as a security guard. I would come home. I would run for like an hour and 15 minutes. I'd jog like six, seven, eight miles, depending on the day. And then uh, I would come home and I would play eight hours. And eight hours was quite a bit. Uh, but just that endurance training was really what helped me because it really it got me. You know, when you run like eight miles a day, six days a week, your body really just develops like a natural resiliency. And, uh, you know, you can also 
when you're running that much too, if you have like decent metabolism, which I no longer possess, but I'm hoping you do, uh, you can eat like pasta, right? Like pasta will give you a lot of like really good fast energy. And I know everybody's like hyper anti-carbs now and everything like that, but people forget there's a reason boxers eat pasta before they fight. You know, it's not that it doesn't give them energy, right? And if you're working eight, eight miles a day, if you're running six, seven, eight miles a day, there's a really good chance you could, uh, uh, you, you could have a diet like that, right? Or swimming is supposed to be even better for you because it works out your entire body. And if it's a cold swimming pool, it'll burn even more calories, uh, according to Tim Ferriss in The 4-Hour Body, not my empirical research. But uh, there's uh, – uh, it, it's really – it's going to be a long haul if you want to keep your job. I'm a big, you know what, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, I'm a big fan of like quit the job, like hustle it out, figure it out, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, uh, save up some money, save up six months expenses, get, get a little bit of a, get a little bit of bankroll, but go for it. I mean, this life is too damn short. I mean, I, I've worked jobs I've hated so much, like more than you guys know. And I worked them for so much longer than I had to. Like, and I've done, like, I, I'm, I'm even talking like within the poker industry, stuff I've like never really talked about on air. I've done a lot of jobs I hated, like really hated, right? And I did it for the money. There's no amount of money that makes it better. There's no, by the time you get it, you feel like you've sold a part of your soul, right? And it just, it wasn't worth it. It, it just, it, that money always magically finds a way of leaving, right? Like that, that's the thing. Like you're supposed to live below your means, but nobody does that. It, it's, you know what I mean? You start, your family starts noticing you're having a little more money, so you gotta start helping with your mother's car payment. You know, your girl starts noticing you got a little more money, so they wanna uh, they wanna do a few more things, right? You start noticing you're having a few more money, it's like, oh, I can treat myself out to dinner Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, have some drinks with the boys, get around, get a couple rounds, you know. And um, but it, it's not like that. You're supposed to live, you, you're supposed to live like a pauper, right? I would even do it overseas. Like I would, I would go overseas somewhere where you could get an apartment. Like there's a lot of places in Eastern Europe you can get an apartment for $700 a month. It'll look like a $2,000 a month apartment in the States. It'll have lightning fast internet. And there will be, you know, you can play online from there, really minimal expenses. Like the food will be really cheap and stuff like that. And to get to a live event, you just take a 60 euro train. These are not possibilities a lot of times that are available in the United States. Uh, So you really do have to accept that living like a pauper, saving up your money and just saving, saving, saving it. Like uh, houses are cheap in a lot of different parts of the world, right? Like in Costa Rica, I was just looking at, uh, I I was looking at the city I really like and I really like the climate. I really like the people and stuff like that. I was just curious, so I looked it up. Like, the average house there is seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000, and they're, like, decent-sized houses, right? And you get a form of residence which will get you your citizenship in Costa Rica if you buy one of these houses. Seventy, eighty thousand dollars $80,000, I think, is a – I know people that have saved a million dollars in cash for their homes in the United States who work extremely basic jobs, right? Like, just, you know, they're, like, accountants for the government or whatever, and they make 55000 a year. So saving $80,000, I think, just living like a pauper, learning everything you can about poker, networking a ton, uh, that's something I, I think a lot of like new guys are a lot better at that I was never really good at, which is networking, learning from a bunch of different people, offering your services, trying to be of service, uh, always kind of, the more you're willing to work for free, the more money you'll make is, is really the way I see it. So, yeah, uh, again, I could have talked about it for hours, but I only talked about it for half an hour, so we're good, you know. But the, the true thing is, as well, as we've talked about it before, um, the arbitrary number of just picking 100K or whatever, because it's we actually jokingly at the start said the 100 episodes approaching. <laughs> That's it, weird, pe- yeah. People work out that they don't actually need that amount of money for something they want to do, and they can, like, bootstrap it up and that, like we've talked yeah, about. Yeah, read the four-hour uh, work week. There's a lot. Yeah, That's it. Seneca. Seneca, vagabonding, vagabonding. Okay, okay, okay. We're going to wrap up for the show because Alex has uh, been tired and he's been annoyed by um, incompetent workers on his property littering in the garden as well. <laughs> so uh, we have tried to keep it content, a few movie things, and a little bit of ranting and stuff as well. But uh, keep the questions coming in; they do get answered, and you get a free 
movie recommendation yeah, yeah. as well. So, yeah, exactly. Alex, how can people get in touch with you uh, for further products, webinars, and I know you got a book coming out as well shortly. I saw on a line that you were uh, editing for the last time or something as well. Yeah, so, sure. how can people get into your uh, funnel as it's right. called? <laughs> right. And uh, <laughs> and get more more assassinato product yeah i really should be selling that book a little harder alex and com is the email if you guys want to write me about anything please give me time to respond as there's no assistant or anything it's just me responding uh sign up for my newsletter at pokerheadrush.com if you guys want to get uh some free content we took a couple weeks off because there's a bunch of real life stuff that that's been uh occurring which has left me time deprived but uh it, it will come out uh, here pretty soon. We're going to get back on a regular schedule and order the myth of poker talent on Amazon and be sure to play, uh, be sure to play at America's card room. Use our link uh, in the chat and you can get a free webinar. You flat too much that the check race fool dissecting the dong bet or why Pisegno is right. You can pick one of them for free. If you sign up for the rake back program that we have coming up. So yeah. And uh, be sure, be sure to sign up for that newsletter. That's where really I tie together all the free, content that you can check out okay and thanks for listening and alex actually before we go alex shouted hassan abib at the end of the podcast last week yes sir. Uh, do you just want to give a quick rundown on what that was for again because i didn't know it either but i found it amusing hassan habib is uh is a professional poker player who's uh, I think he, he he did really well he, in tournaments, yeah. I think he was on high stakes one point yeah, maybe I think as well. He was, I yeah. think he was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. one episode or two. Episode I don't know where this yeah. came or where it started from, but uh, people started yelling at, like, at slot machines in Las Vegas, right? <laughs> and uh, since I was just in Las Vegas, I felt like we needed a good Hassan Habib. So, you know, I gave I gave it Hassan Habib, you know, and... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I said, I, I, you said it's actually a thing though as well. You hear yeah, like people I've, shout. I heard it, it a lot more five years ago than I heard it uh, recently, but it's, I still, you know, I still occasionally, I, I think I heard it in Vegas. I was like, wow, I haven't heard that in years, right? Like somebody shouted it at a slot machine, but yeah. And I was like, wow, that, that that's probably what mem- reminded me of it. But yeah, yeah. Hassan Abib, you can... There's a WPT segment on it, actually, I think you can watch, if I remember correctly, when he final tabled the 25K for like the fourth time or whatever it was. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, check, check that out, guys. Okay. And um, we'll hope that you have a good profitable week, everyone listening, and you can be shouting that in your house as well. Yes. <laughs> uh, you don't just need to do it in Vegas. Um, okay, until next week, keep your questions coming in. Questions at oneouter.com on email and we will ask them to Alex next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Nastrovia! Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super-fast three-player online poker set-and-go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.